Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 18. Mrs. Raynard, there's a Quentin Matthews here to see you. My secretary's voice screeched out over the speaker on the desk. I was in the middle of drinking a cup of hot tea and almost spilled it on a pile of prints. New additions to the collection. I had decided not to use Quentin's work because I knew the affair would eventually have to end. And I didn't want anything tying us together when it did. Plus, you know, your side dude has a side chick that lives right on the side of him. And so, ugh. I want the break to be clean. And as far as I was concerned, the affair ended the day I caught him with his dick all up in Diamond's pussy. Send him in, please. I released the speak button on the intercom and wondered why the hell he would risk coming to my office when he could have called. I wasn't about to confront him in the outer office. All I needed was some drama getting into the hands of gossip mongers. He stormed into my office like he owned the place and sat on the edge of my desk. Zoe, why haven't you called me or come by? His ass was really tripping, so I told him, Yo ass is tripping. Really? This is that's like the third time this happened. I didn't give a damn, so I told him, I don't give a damn. I was hungry, so I told him, I'm hungry. Like, I don't know. It's just the, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. His ass is really tripping, so I told him, yo ass is tripping. Why the hell do you think I haven't? You tell me. He started getting loud on his sister. Keep your voice down, I insisted. This is the business. Once he calmed down and started breathing through his mouth again, I added, you know why I haven't caught your ass. Get real. The last time I saw you, you were fucking the hoochie down the hall. I told you that was an accident. He came closer to me, trying to give me a hug. It's all about you and me, boo. You're my girl. Get your fucking hands off me. I started getting loud my damn self. See, now you're the one overreacting. Nah, hell no, nah, I'm not. I really didn't want to rehash the dirt and definitely not in my office. Could you do us both a favor and just leave? I have a lot of work to do. I've fallen way behind fooling around with you. We were both on our feet by that time, having a good old-fashioned Mexican standoff. I didn't have a damn thing to say, and neither did he. We just stared at each other until finally he broke the silence. I'm not giving up on this relationship, Zoe. That's the bottom line. If I had to camp outside in your secretary's office with a sleeping bag and a box of Twinkies, so be it. I couldn't hold the laugh in. Oh, so now I'm a joke, Zoe? I laughed harder until the tears started rolling down my cheeks and I was holding my stomach. The fact of the matter was what he had said was hilarious, but the situation wasn't. I regained my composure because he was truly getting pissed. Quentin, I'll call you, I promise. When? I rested my ass on the edge of my desk. Tomorrow. Why tomorrow? Why can't I see you this evening? Because I really do have a lot of work backed up on me. And tonight, Jason and I are having some friends over for dinner. The workload was true, but the dinner was a lie. I had something else in mind for that night. Okay, fine. I'll leave, but I better hear from you tomorrow, Zoe, or else. Or else what? Or else I'll come back, throw your ass over my shoulder, and carry you out of here. We both giggled at that one. You'll hear from me, I promise. I don't know why I forgave his ass. I guess it's hard to blame someone for going astray when you're married your damn self. Let's seal that promise with a kiss, and then I'll believe you. We started kissing, and one kinky thing led to another. Five minutes later, 
I pushed the speak button on the intercom and told my secretary to take an early lunch. Then Quentin fucked me on top of the desk, and we devoured each other for lunch. When I left work that evening, after calling Jason and telling him I had to meet one of my distributors to talk business, I made a beeline for Tyson's apartment. I was fiending for his ass big time. I simply loved the way he was rough with me that first time. He had just gotten home from the auto garage where he worked as a mechanic when I got there. He was covered with motor oil and grease and looked sexy as all hell to me. I was taking things to the extreme, having fucked Quentin on my desk earlier that day and now getting ready to fuck someone else before driving home to my husband. Tyson was happy to see me and told me to hop in the shower with him. I stripped down to nothing and did just that. He made me prop my leg up on the edge of the tub so he could eat my pussy. And then I sucked his dick before he held me up against the wall with my legs straddled around his waist and fucked me rough like I wanted. That's called snowballing. He didn't know he was snowballing because obviously she didn't tell him he was snowballing. But snowballing is when you suck the cum out of somebody's pussy. Usually you're sucking your own cum out of their pussy. No, this is not my fetish. I just had a friend when I was like 25. Name, like I'm going to say his real name, right? Almost slipped up. Name Ryan. And we called him Snowball. Because that's what he liked to do. His girlfriend actually told us. Because his girlfriend was just like Zoe. She was having an affair on her husband. So she would tell us at work about what Snowball liked to do. And it's like, okay. All right. But he's doing it. Like, Tyson doesn't know he's doing it. And that's just fucked up. We got out of the shower. And I told him what had been on my mind that whole day. And the reason I was really there. Tyson. Yes. I want to try something real freaky. His eyes widened. He gawked at me and said, word? Like what? I don't know. I replied because I really didn't have a well thought out answer. I'll just go and leave it up to you. You seem like a man who knows how to turn a sister out the right way. Oh, you want it in the ass. I mean, that's... What else can you do that's freaky and rough that she ain't done? I don't know. I'm curious. I'm really curious. It better not involve nacho cheese sauce. Just stick a finger in her ass. But I, I know that y'all already, she already did 72 because she was talking about it. So, I don't know. We gonna see. Hell yeah, if that's what you want. He paced around the bed naked while I propped myself up on a pillow so I could admire the view. Finally, he said, look, if you're really down for this, I have an idea. I decided to let all my inhibitions go and threw caution to the wind. Aren't those the same thing? Cool. I'm down for whatever. Boy, why the hell did I say that? Less than five minutes later. Actually, my bad. It doesn't say later. I just assumed. Less than five minutes, Tyson had me tied to his bed, butt naked on my stomach with a blindfold on. I'll just ass out and had no choice but to be down for whatever. He lubricated my rear like a Corvette and then took it literally. Much to my surprise, the way he did it was painless. I realized now it was all in my head, and because I didn't have time to let fear build up, I took it in the ass without all the psychotic fears going on. He took his time with me, and when it was all in, he worked me just like he did with vaginal sex. Tyson came, and we were lying there with his soft dick still inside me when there was a loud knocking at the door. Tyson, open this damn door, you fucking bastard! What the hell? I turned my head towards the door but couldn't see for Jack because of the blindfold. Who was that woman banging on your door? All he whispered was, shh, she'll go away. Untie me right now. He covered up my mouth with my hand. With my hand or with his hand? He, can you cover, am I covering up your mouth with your hand? That's weird. That's a weird thing to do. Like, I'll cover up my mouth with my hand, but I'm not going to cover your mouth with your hand. Like, that's a weird way to go about it. I'm going to take your hand and place it over your mouth with my hand. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. He covered up my mouth with my hand, and I was pissed. Just be quiet, Zoe. I'm not answering the door. That hoe's crazy. Tyson, I know your ass in there with some bitch. Open the damn door now. He sat on top of me, his dick in my ass, trying to prevent me from squirming. You ain't nothing but a lying, cheating, male tramp. Just wait till your ass come out that bitch. I got something for that ass. Then she left. At least, we thought she did. He got off me, removed the blindfold, and untied me. 
I hurriedly got dressed. I didn't need yet another lover that was fucking someone else. Zoe, she's my ex. I've been finished with her skank ass. I didn't need another lame explanation either. Whatever. I got fully dressed and started looking for my keys. She's not my problem, Tyson. She's yours. Wrong again. She was my problem. He walked me outside and came to find out the heifer had cut all my tires and scratched the word bitch on the side panel of my car with her keys. That's what you get. How you gonna take this home and explain it to Jason? Uh, I love it. She was long gone, and good thing she was, because I would have been going down the river for homicide that night. People sitting now on their stoops were having a good laugh, saying, Oh shit, damn, that must be some good dick, and that's what your ass get for fucking around. And we don't know who they talking to, because it could be either one of y'all. Mm. I went back into Tyson's place to call the auto club. I couldn't believe this shit was happening. How in the world was I going to cover my ass on this one? Like they say, though, where there's a will... I instructed the tow truck driver to haul the car to my regular service garage near our house, all the way on the other side of town. He was pissed but had no choice, since that was one of the benefits of having the Gold Plus plan. After telling Tyson to kiss my black ass, I hopped into the cab of the truck with the driver, cursing under my breath the whole way to the garage. I had to make it look good, so I called Jason for my cell phone when we were almost there and told him the car had been vandalized outside the restaurant downtown where I had met a distributor to discuss business. I told him to pick me up at the garage in 10 minutes. The tow truck driver, an old country-fried hick, was staring at me when I closed out the call. I gave him a glare and told him, Mind your own fucking business. Jason was already there when we pulled up at the garage, talking to our mechanic. The expression on his face when he saw the car, which had to be towed on a flatbed since all four tires were flat, was definitely one for the books. After asking me 50 questions, all to which I answered, I have no idea. It just happened. He decided he was just elated I wasn't harmed in any way. That night, we made love more intensely than we ever had. He started out by coming in the bathroom while I was taking a bath, rolling up his sleeves and washing my back. Almost fainted from that show of affection alone. Then he dried me off, carried me to the bed, and gave me more time and attention than he ever had before. It still wasn't great sex. But it was a sign that maybe there was hope for us yet. I didn't ask him for oral sex, and heaven knows anal sex is out of the freaking question. I was just glad that, for once, he made me feel like he desired me as much as I did him. Chapter 19 In light of the way Jason made love to me the night of my brush with death experience, according to him, I decided to throw myself headfirst into my marriage. I had messed up big time, but the bottom line was I still loved my husband more than life itself. And he was the only man I ever truly wanted. You're the one I really want. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I planned the ultimate romantic evening for that Friday. I asked my mother, who had already gone far and beyond her duties as a grandmother, to stay with the kids overnight so I could kidnap Jason and attempt to turn his ass out. She agreed to stay over, and I picked up Jason at his office. We were sharing the Land Rover, since the Mercedes was still in the shop. He thought I was picking him up just to go home and do the regular dinner with the kids, followed by watching a couple of sitcoms and the news before bed routine. When he saw I was headed in the opposite direction from our house, he demanded to know, Where are we going? I have a surprise for you, boo. Zoe, I'm kind of tired. I was looking forward to just chilling out tonight. He started rubbing his temple like he had a headache. Jason, I spent all day planning out tonight and asked Mom to stay overnight with the kids. Please don't ruin this for me. If nothing else, do it to make me happy. He glanced at the back seat, noticed I had a small suitcase. Overnight, huh? I smiled at him, reached over and rubbed his thigh. Yes, boo. Overnight. He gave me a devilish grin. Okay, I'll go along with this. Sounds promising. Oh, it is. Believe me, it is. I moved my hand farther up his thigh and started caressing his dick through his trousers. He didn't stop me, and I was in shock. Not shocked enough to stop, though. I held fast to that bad boy, which grew rock hard until we got to where we were going. We pulled up at a little Greek restaurant at the end of town about six. What? I don't know who to blame for these things. We pulled up at a little Greek restaurant at the end of town about six. And Jason was thrown for a loop when I led him by the hand straight through the entry-level dining area and up the back stairs. 
When we got upstairs, all the patrons were seated on fancy floor cushions, drinking cocktails and socializing in the dim, smoke-filled room. Zoe, what the hell is this place? It's a, it's a restaurant. You'll see, I giggled, leaning over and giving him a kiss. He didn't just peck me back for a change. He toned my ass down just like in high school, and I savored it for as long as I could. The music started, and the first belly dancer made her way to the center of the room and began her dance. Jason started laughing like I knew he would. It was the old Jason I was trying to resurrect. The one who used to talk mad shit all the time. The one who was a romantic target of every girl at school, even though he was unavailable. The one who stole my heart somewhere between giving me the finger and a game of Twister. The dance was buck wild, and all the old beer belly men were clapping and sticking money in the waistline of her sheer leg pants. Jason and I both enjoyed the show and ordered some drinks. After the third dancer came out, I excused myself, telling him I was going to the ladies' room. I was lying, but it was a good lie this time. When the announcer called out the name of the next act, Jason almost hurled his drink when the man said, Zoe, this isn't going to be good. This isn't going to be good. Like, you're springing that on him with no warning. Like, I don't know. Maybe because it's not sex, he'll be okay with it, but... The way that y'all have drawn him up to be such a staid person, I don't think he's going to like this at all. I came out in a sheer white costume, laced with gold, and did a special belly dance just for Jason and everybody else in the room. That's like when you're on a show and you say, this is just between me and you, right? And you know it's really between you, them, and whatever number of listeners they have. I had been there earlier that afternoon, taking lessons from one of the real dancers, which is why I knew my way around the place so well. I danced seductively while all the other patrons watched, and Jason was blushing. What tripped him out the most was when I shook my belly in his face, and he noticed my freshly pierced belly with the silver charm stuck in it with the name Jason engraved on it. I finished my dance, got mad applause, and fell gracefully into his lap. He removed the veil that was covering the bottom half of my face and planted a big, wet, juicy one on me. I love you, Zoe. I love you too, baby. I kissed him again and started to get up. Be right back. I'm going to get dressed. He slapped me on my ass while I was walking away. Do that, you crazy fool. Like, okay, maybe he's, I don't know. I doubt it, though. It's that kind of book. When I came back, dressed, he assumed we would be eating there. I'm starving. Let's go downstairs and grab a bite. Um, excuse me, Mr. Raynard, but this is Mrs. Raynard tonight, and Mrs. Raynard has other plans for dinner. Well, excuse the hell out of me. We both laughed and held hands all the way back to the parking lot. Oh, it's going to be one of them naked food on top of the women things, maybe. Our next stop was a Japanese restaurant, the kind of private dining rooms concealed behind silk screen sliding doors. We ordered a pot of green tea after being escorted to our little private haven. Our shoes had to be taken off upon entry to the restaurant. And once again, we got to sit on pillows. I've never been to a Japanese restaurant where they had to take your shoes off. Have you? Like, honestly, if you've ever had that happen, hit me up on Twitter, uh, Ratchet Book Club. I'm just curious to know where the fuck you're at, where they do that, because I've never had it happen. Ever. Ever, ever. Jason commented, you know my back's going to be screwed up after all this, right, boo? I leaned over and whispered in his ear, I'll give you a nice back rub then. He kissed me again, and I was thinking he hadn't kissed me so many times in one day since way back. As an afterthought, I added, maybe you'll let me rub something else, too. I slid the tip of my tongue in his ear and then blew in it. Be right back, baby. I have to tinkle. Was I lying again? Oh, hell yeah. Instead of the Japanese woman who had originally waited on us bringing the pot of tea in, I did it myself. Dressed as a geisha with an oriental... Is that... Are we supposed to say oriental? You know what? Dressed as a geisha with a silk robe on and a big-ass black wig. Zoe, you're too damn much. Why are you bugging? Because I love to see you smile, and tonight you're smiling a lot. He laughed. I knelt down on the floor beside him because I couldn't sit Indian-style. We're just doing them all today, aren't we? With the long robe on. I looked him in his eyes and meant every word as I spoke them. Jason, I would do anything to make you happy. I love you, and this forever. Always has been. Always will be. We started tonguing the hell out of each other big time. When the regular waitress came in with our appetizer, Jason had my robe halfway open and was about to pop a tit out to suck on. 
I stayed in the robe and wig for the rest of dinner and fed him with chopsticks, wiping his mouth and chin off every single time a morsel of food accidentally missed his target. Okay, Zoe. I'm almost scared to ask what's next. Crazy ass. We were standing outside the restaurant, waiting on the valet to retrieve the rover. I walked up close to him, stood on my tippy toes, and kissed him briefly. What do you want to be next? Hmm. Well, if I recall right, I tried to take the lead earlier this evening and was informed that this is Mrs. Rayner's evening and Mrs. Rayner makes all the decisions. I pinched him gently on his arm. Damn right Mrs. Rayner makes all the decisions. He grabbed me and started tickling me. The other people waiting on their vehicles were looking at us and laughing. As we drove off to our next destination, I was so happy. For the first time in ages, Jason and I were having a genuinely romantic time together, just like when we were younger. It was a warm, clear night, and I was glad because the next stop of my agenda couldn't have worked out right if it hadn't been. We took a long drive out to an observatory about an hour away from Atlanta. We had never been there, but it was one place I always wanted to go. We got there just in time to catch a slideshow on the planetarium, and then we went to the observation deck to look through the gigantic telescopes at the stars. I think I loved that part of the evening more than Jason did. Even though he listened to me rant and rave about the heavens all the time, and had kept his promise by building me a home full of skylights so I could see the stars whenever I wanted, his appreciation of them wasn't nearly as profound as mine. Before we left, I did what I really came there to do, and adopted a star. I adopted our star, the star Jason and I selected the first night we kissed on my front stoop. How the fuck can you tell? You don't know that. You're just guessing. I'm not hating. I'm just saying. You're guessing. Unless you look at that star every single night and sing the song from uh, An American Tale, you don't know which star is yours. It's cool, though. The donated money went to help with the upkeep of the observatory. They gave us a frame certificate with the name of our star, Ambrose, which is Greek for immortal and undying, just like our love, imprinted on it. Our names were also put on the certificate, along with the words, always has been, always will be. It was time to head to our final destination, which was a cozy bed and breakfast inn in the countryside. When we got to the waterside inn, we were shown to our room, which had a balcony overlooking the small lake on the property. I had some chilled champagne delivered to our room and then asked Jason to take a hot bowl bath with me. I practically had a heart attack when he agreed. We took a long bath together in the old-fashioned bathtub. I sat behind him with my legs shrouded around his waist. We had one of the most intimate, provocative talks of our marriage, and I was overwhelmed at how open he was being. We made love on crisp, white sheets underneath the handmade quilt, and it was beautiful. We engaged in much more foreplay than we had in a long time. Back when we were still virgins, we would make out for hours, but when the sex between us started, it seemed like the intimacy went away. And one night, I was getting both the intimacy and the sex, and I was loving every minute of it. Everything was great until I tried to perform oral sex on him. He went ballistic. Zoe, stop that shit. Damn. Jason, what the hell's wrong with you? You know I'm not into that. He jumped up from the bed and put on one of the heavy terry cloth robes provided by the hotel. How can you not be into something you'd never tried? I don't get it. I wanted to tell him how good the shit really was and how I was a pro at deep throating a dick. But having him file for divorce wasn't part of my seduction plans, so I left that one alone. Jason, come back to bed. We don't have to do that if you don't want to, baby. He came back to bed and we fell asleep in each other's arms. I just didn't want the whole night to be ruined. I had put too much heart into it for it to end with an argument. I was just happy we were making some sort of improvement in our sex life, even if it was a far cry from what I really needed. Way over in the morning, something happened to me. She's pregnant. It was as if something snapped. I woke up, started crying, and ended up in the bathroom with the door shut, crouched on the floor between the toilet and the bathtub. I didn't want Jason to hear me wailing like a three-year-old, but I couldn't hold it in. All I ever wanted was for one man to love me, and he does love me. He's loved me all my life. Whenever Jason and I make love, it's like winning the lottery to me. But at the same time, it almost feels like he's just doing me a fucking favor. So maybe she's not pregnant. Maybe she's just sad because still no good sex. I rolled my eyes after I said that, by the way. Chapter 20. 
Marcella, I'm totally exhausted. It wasn't so much exhaustion as it was stress. I had been discussing my sex life with her for hours and still hadn't gotten to the really deep part. Not that I was looking forward to revealing that situation at all. Zoe, that's fine. I understand. I glanced up from the chaise lounge at her. Lounge. Not L-O-N-G-U-E. I glanced up at the chaise longu at her. She was sitting in the leather wing chair beside it, scribbling away on her notepad. We covered quite a bit of ground today. We made a lot of progress. Did we? I asked, perplexed. Did we what? Make a lot of progress. Of course. The mere fact that you're able to discuss your problems is a significant breakthrough. She smiled at me timidly, probably wondering if I was buying into her bullshit. Like I said, we covered a lot of ground. I sat up and rubbed my eyes. They were sore from shedding so many tears. Half the time I was talking, I kept my eyes shut so I wouldn't even have to look at her. I didn't want to see the disgust on her face. As I readjusted my eyes to the dim lighting in her office, Dr. Marcella Spencer didn't appear disgusted at all. I knew she had to be hiding it below the surface. She didn't want me to pick up on her loathing. How could anyone not hate a despicable, cheating, lying, manipulative tramp like me, even those getting paid to pretend otherwise? Yes, we've covered a lot of ground, but... But what, Zoe? Do you think you can help me? Honestly, how do I stop this madness when it's taking total control of me? Well, the first thing I should ask is, how do you feel about Quentin and Tyson? Are you in love with either one of them? I pondered her question. I can't be in love with Quentin or Tyson because I'm in love with Jason. So you don't feel it's possible to love more than one man at a time? I care about them both. Quentin more so than Tyson, but it's not love. They give me things I need. I'll admit that I become accustomed to being with both of them. I never intended to be with Tyson more than a couple times, but at this point, I'm with all of them every week. This shit has got to stop. That's the bottom line. I see. Damn, not that I see again. Marcella, can you just answer my previous question? Do you feel as though you can help me get out of this mess? She sat up on the edge of her chair, moving in closer to me. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Sexual addiction isn't exactly my area of expertise. I wonder how far not exactly. However, there are certain things that will apply to all types of addictions. She hesitated. The last thing I needed was to be held in suspense. Such as? Well, are you aware that both alcohol and drug abuse rehabilitation programs work on a multi-step matrix? Excuse me? I inquired, realizing all hope for a speedy recovery was fading fast. Are you telling me I need to stop on a gradual basis? Something of that nature. But listen. She raised her voice in octave, sensing my irritation. She was damn right, too. I was mad irritated. Just like any addiction, it's extremely hard to go cold turkey on. Um, hold up a second. Are you telling me I should keep fucking these other people and lying to my husband? Zoe, calm down. She headed to her desk to get a cigarette. You just have to relax and hear me out. Calm down my ass. I jumped up and started putting on my overcoat. I can't freaking believe this shit. I finally get the nerve to tell someone about all the fucked up, back-ass, conniving shit I've been doing. I finally spill my guts about everything, and not to mention pay your ass to let me do it, and this is what I get from my trouble? You telling me to keep doing it? What do you suggest, to maybe cut back to two sexual trysts a week instead of four? Let Quentin hit it on Monday and Tyson on Wednesdays and everybody's happy? Her hand started trembling while she attempted to light the cigarette with her silver-plated lighter. Her ass was just as nervous as I was, and she was supposed to be the expert. No, not at all, Zoe. I am going to help you. Just hear me out. I calmed down a little, plopped back down the chaise, and stared at her. She retook her seat across from me, inhaling like a mofo. I have a friend who specializes in sexual addiction. He has a practice down in Florida, and I think he might be able to help you. He? Oh, hell no. This shit just gets thicker and thicker. I can't discuss this with a man. Men are the cause of all my fucking problems. Mm, are they, though? I understand, but I cut her ass off. The main reason I can't use is because you're a female, and I thought, at the very least, you'll be able to relate to my situation a little better. But a man can't begin to relate to the confusion going on in my mind. 
I understand what you're saying, but besides, what I'm supposed to do? Tell Jason I'm going down to Florida on a business trip while I go check into some clinic for nymphomaniacs? That shit is out of the damn question. Are you a nymphomaniac? She asked the question as if she didn't already know the answer. I got up and headed towards the door. What the hell do you think? I was halfway to the elevator when she started tugging gently on my coat sleeve. Zoe, come on back in the office so we could talk some more. Off the clock. We need to settle this. I don't want you leaving here so distraught. I really want to help you. Why, why can't you believe that? I tried to get my bearings and prevent my heart from pumping so fast. I sensed true sincerity in her voice as I pressed the call button for the elevator. The next words came out in a normal tone. Look, Dr. Spencer. Marcella, she corrected. Marcella, I really appreciate you listening to me and fitting me into your busy schedule. I'm truly sorry for snapping at you just now, but all the pressure and stress I've been under lately is destroying me. Man, that's the same thing that nigga said when he was beating up on uh, Brina. Huh? A abusive language. I'm, I'm sorry. I started pressing the call button again. I can see that it's destroying you, she agreed, rubbing my arm. That's why you have to let me help. I gazed in her eyes, looking for some omen that she was my savior. No, you can't help me. No one can. I got myself into this predicament not to get myself out of it. That's where you're dead wrong. I noticed there were beads of sweat gathering on her brow. She was really stressing over my ass. If you could get yourself out of this alone, you would have already. In fact, you never would have put yourself in this position in the first place if you had an option. She had a point, but I still didn't believe she could improve anything. The bottom line is this. After all the shit I've gone through with Quentin... I'm still fucking him. After all the shit with Tyson and that bitch of his vandalizing my car, I'm still fucking him. There's nothing that's going to make me stop, short of Jason finding out and wringing my neck. That's the truly pathetic part of all of this. The elevator doors parted. I got on and pressed the button for the lobby level. She prevented the door from shutting by leaning on it. So what are you going to do now, Zoe? Just continue on your path of destruction? I threw my hands up in the air and started grasping the chrome bars around the inside of the elevator. Gee, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I fought back the tears, determined not to shed another tear in front of Marcella. I love my husband to death, but maybe, instead of heading home, I'll go let one of my lovers have their way with me. Who knows? She sensed my sarcasm. Actually, I do know what I'm going to do after I leave here. I continued. I'm going to visit my best friend and make sure her ass is all right. I haven't seen Brina since I insisted on taking her to the emergency room last Saturday. And maybe, just maybe, if she's not in the middle of another crisis of her own, I'll ask her to let me crown her shoulder for a change. Marcella smiled at me. It was a weak, forced smile, but welcome just the same. She dropped her voice to almost a whisper. Sounds like a good plan to me, Zoe. But listen. She reached in the elevator and rubbed me on the shoulder. If you ever want to talk again, I'll be right here. You can call me anytime, day or night. I can't make you continue therapy with me. I just want you to know I'm always willing. Always. Thanks. The smile I returned was genuine. The elevator doors were halfway closed when she stuck her foot in. Zoe, we never got a chance to discuss your third affair. You sure you don't want to stay for another hour so we can continue the conversation? I smirked. Wondering how sick she would think I was if I told her the truth. Just threw the entire load of shit on her like I was tossing a penny in a wishing well. Trust me, Doc. That's the last thing I need to talk about right now. In fact, that's probably something better off left alone, period. She removed her foot. The last thing I saw as the elevator door slammed was a perplexed expression on her face. Chapter 21 It was drizzling when I arrived at Brenda's building. I didn't go in for a few minutes. I was still shook up over the unexpected altercation with Marcella. The last thing I was prepared for was her admitting she didn't have a clue what the fuck she was doing. She could have told me that from Jump Street. I should have told Brina all the drama from the get-go and saved all the dead presidents I was going to have to kick out on therapy. Not to mention all the aggravation and humiliation I endured by telling a complete stranger all of my business. Still, I liked Marcella. I sensed something real about her. Only wish she could have helped. I decided the heart-to-heart -heart between Brenda and I was long overdue. So what if she always viewed me as perfect? 
she understood the Zoe Jason soap opera better than anyone. After all, she had a front row seat to the whole thing. Girlfriend was just going to have to get over the fact that her idol wasn't a lady, but a tramp. She never said that you were her idol. That Saying that your relationship is perfect is probably hyperbole and she knows it and she's saying it like she knows it. Nobody's relationship is perfect. Everybody knows that. Uh, she's not putting you on a pedestal like that, I hope. There's no shrine for you in her room, I hope. Brandon and I went way back, and out of everyone, she wouldn't judge me. That much, I knew for sure. After making a mad dash to get in the carpeted hallway of her building, I folded the newspaper I had over my head to protect my hairdo and jiggled the dampness off my coat. I knocked on her door and didn't get an answer. Her car was parked out front, so I was surprised when she didn't come to the door. After all, she was the one who went on and on about how she just went to work and came straight home every day. I couldn't imagine her hanging out, and since it was raining, I knew she wasn't out walking anywhere. I heard some music playing loudly and realized it was coming from her place. I figured she was probably in the shower or something and didn't hear the door. She dead. I contemplated waiting out in the hall for a few minutes and knocking again. I was used to just barging in with the hidden key, but for some strange reason, I felt it would be obtrusive that day. I decided to wait a few moments. I had no desire to go home and face Jason right then, and running to one of my other lovers was out of the damn question. Besides, I wanted to check on Brenda's bruises and see if she planned to take me up on my job offer. Most of all, I would need to confide in her in the worst way. Enough of the lies. I swung around when I heard the door across the hall open abruptly. There was an old white woman standing there in the house coat. She had a baseball bat in one hand and a demonic expression on her pale face. I immediately jumped back against the wall. An 80-year-old white woman holding a bat and glaring didn't sit well with me. She looked me up and down and lowered the bat, deciding I didn't look like a criminal. Something bad happened in there last night. She whispered the words like she was afraid of being overheard even though I was the only person in the hallway. I pointed at Brina's door, feeling my heart pounding in my chest. In here? This apartment? She nodded her head. Something real bad. With that, she slammed the door in my face. Ain't that just convenient? I stood there, paralyzed with fear. What the hell does she mean by that? I started banging on the old woman's door, but she didn't answer. What do you mean something bad? Ma'am, what are you talking about? My first instinct was to call Jason. I rummaged through my purse for my cell phone. After dialing the first five digits of our home number, I started laughing and turned the phone off. This was ridiculous. That old woman was probably senile. For all I knew, she was making the whole thing up. Brina was just fine. She had to be. I had just seen her ass the other day, after all. I retrieved the extra key and stormed inside of her apartment. Her living room was dark, but everything seemed intact. There was a light emitting from the cracked door of the bedroom. The music was coming from in there also. I'll never forget the song that was playing. It was Billie Holiday's version of God Bless the Child. I went into Brenda's bedroom. I couldn't breathe. At first, my eyes refused to register what they were seeing. Ten seconds later, my screams began. To this day, I'm still confused about the chain of events that happened next. It didn't really matter who ran in there, who called the police, who picked me up off the floor, who called Jason to tell him to come and get me, who did this and who did that. We were all too late. Brenda was gone, and my life would never be the same. I remember Jason rushing into the super's apartment, drenched with rain. At some point, the drizzling had turned into a full-fledged thunderstorm. The homicide detectives set up the super's place at their base of operations so the coroner's office and forensics team could do whatever it is they do when someone's brutally murdered in Brina's apartment without other people trapsing in and out. Jason joined me on the couch and almost had to slap me silly to get a response. I could only manage to wail, sink into his warm, muscular arms, and pray for the whole nightmare to go away. But it didn't go away. It seemed like we were there for hours while I answered all 50 million of their questions. You should also point them to the white woman across the, the, the hallway who told you something bad happened last night. But didn't call the cops. Because, you know, all lives matter. Some of them I knew the answers to. Some I didn't. I told them I needed to talk to that old heifer down the hall who didn't bother to call the police the night before when she heard something bad going on. There we go. 
I described to them how I walked in the apartment and found Brina laid out in a funeral position on her bed, with her hands draped limply across her chest. All the bedding had been stripped away except for the floral pattern fitted sheet and mattress cover. I cringed at the thought of all the blood. There was blood everywhere. On the bed, on the carpet, even on the walls. A forensics technician barged into the room to inform the detectives he had counted 87 stab wounds, as if he were proud to be able to count so high. Jason spoke the words I was thinking. Why does Zoe have to hear this? Don't you guys have any compassion? One of the detectives obviously agreed. He took the insensitive bastard out in the hallway so he could finish relating his findings. I resumed giving my statement, what there was of it, telling him everything I knew what Dempsey looked like, where Brina had met him, what I knew about the beatings, how I had pulled my switchblade on him once to make him leave, and how I had taken Brina to the hospital a few days before her death to get medical treatment. After they were reasonably sure they had gotten everything useful out of me, they told Jason he could take me home and assured me they would track that rabid dog down at all costs. My mother was there with the kids when we got home. They were already snug in their beds. Thank goodness it was one of the regular nights she kept them. Jason was able to come to my rescue right away, and I was grateful for that. If I had to face all that alone while he waited for someone to come over to babysit, I would have really been a basket case. Having my husband by my side during the ordeal was the only thing that kept me from slipping over the edge. Jason is my love, my life, my everything. So you just fridged a, a woman. So then you can um reinforce her love for Jason? I don't like that. Brenda deserved better than what she got in this book. And, um, I don't know. The next few days were pure hell. My mother practically moved in so she could treat me like a baby, bringing me mugs of warm milk, running my bath water, and combing my hair like I was a complete invalid. Jason was a sweetheart. He took some time off from the office and handled Brenda's funeral arrangements. Brenda's mother was just as devastated as I was. She even sobered up for a few days of wallowing her grief. She couldn't deal with picking out caskets and addressing any more than I could. My baby did it all. He even arranged to pay for everything, since Brina had no insurance and her mother was barely making ends meet. Had no insurance, like damn, y'all just gone. <sighs> the weather was beautiful the day of the funeral. I was very thankful. Brina had very few friends and never stayed at a job long enough to make lifelong attachments with co-workers. For that reason, Jason arranged it at the funeral graveside. He selected a beautiful white coffin and a huge bed of pink rose to be laid over it. He held my hand and comforted me throughout the entire ordeal. That's when I knew it was over. That's when I knew I could beat my sexual addiction. Jason was all I ever needed. If I had to live the rest of my life curbing my sexual desires in order to be with him, then so be it. That was one sacrifice I was more than willing to make. While we were walking back to the black limousine provided by the funeral parlor, I stopped him in his tracks just to give him a hug and a passionate kiss. I love you, Jason. I love you too, Zoe, and this is forever. I managed to smile for the first time since Brina's death. Always has been. Always will be. Yeah, right outside your friend's funeral, you fucking asshole. And also, your, 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 your husband, the one who's doing all this shit... Yeah, he's probably doing it out of guilt because he called her a slut and a bitch every single time he got an opportunity. But I mean, you did too. You literally lorded yourself over her. Said that she was wearing hoochie-fied stuff and all that kind of stuff. Chapter 22. I didn't go back to work for another week after Brina's funeral. I just couldn't deal with making decisions. I delegated different tasks. Is her name Sabrina? Or Brina. We never got that figured out. Like, I know her name is Brina, but does she have a full name? Like, does she have a last name? Like, does she? Uh, I delegated different tasks to several senior members of my staff and spent quality time with my husband and kids instead. How foolish it had been of me to risk everything I had to satiate my sexual urges. I had lost so much valuable time screwing around. Time I could have had with the love of my life and the beautiful little people we made together. When I did finally return to my office, most of the business issues were cleared off my desk, but I still had a huge pile of phone messages. I wasn't all that surprised. I knew the majority of them were from my lovers before I even read them. My secretary had been suspicious of my extramarital activities for a long time. 
I'm sure the three of them ringing the office phone off the hook during my absence had only cleared up any lingering doubts she may have been hanging on to. I didn't really care what she thought or knew. I already had enough people woven up in my web of deception. I fingered through the messages and ended up ditching them all in a wastebasket beside my desk. It was time for all the bullshit, lies, and stress to be over, and there was no time like the present. I told my secretary I'll be back later that day, after having spent only 10 minutes in my office. I had been away from the office for over a week already. A few more hours wasn't going to make a drastic difference. I got out on the sidewalk, took in a deep breath and exhaled. I was ready to get the drama over with and my life back in order. I was going to end all three affairs in one damn day, go home, and make love to the only man who held the key to my heart. I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but never in a million years did I expect the shit to hit the fan as hard as it did. Why not? How could you not? I decided to go discuss matters with Tyson first because he was the most temperamental. I figured if I dealt with the worst of it and worked my way up from there, I might end up with one hell of a migraine, but with everything else intact. It was only about 10 in the morning, so I had to go to the garage where he worked in order to talk. That was fine by me. Safety in numbers and all that jazz. When I pulled up, I spotted his motorcycle parked on the side of the building. I found him inside of one of the service bays working on an import. His head was up underneath the hood. He was surprised when he heard my voice. Tyson, I need to talk to you. He stood up, almost bumping his head on the underside of the hood. Damn, you scared the shit out of me. He grabbed the rag so he could wipe some of the oil and grease off his hands. Sorry, I didn't mean to take you off guard. Zoe, where you been? I've been leaving messages for you at your office for almost two weeks. I looked down at the concrete floor to avoid eye contact. I've been busy. Something came up. Ah... So in other words, you pushed my ass to the curb. He walked over to a little cooler that I was sitting beside one of the toolboxes on a workbench and got out an ice cold soda. He held the can out towards me. You want one? No thanks. I walked over towards him and leaned on the workbench. I needed some strength to come from somewhere and I was hoping the bench would have some mystical powers and help assist out. So what's up Zoe? Must be mighty important for you to show up here out of the blue at my job after not even bothering to call for so long. He was all eyes and ears. I was all nervous. Sex with Tyson had always been rough, and I had often wondered if that signified a violent streak in his nature. He had never hit me or anything, but that was the first time for everything. I was hoping I was dead wrong. I cleared my throat and prayed he wouldn't haul off and punch me dead in the face. Tyson, it's over. He looked stunned at first, but the look was quickly replaced with one of anger. What's over? He knew what I meant. You and I are over. I announced it like I was calling out the winning raffle ticket number at a bazaar. I can't do this anymore. I see. Tyson was silent for a good two, three minutes, and so was I. He didn't hit me, so things were looking up. Zoe, I think you're just feeling stressed. Obviously, something bad happened. You weren't even going to work or anything, so it must have been serious. Yes, something very bad did happen. Okay, and if you don't want to talk about it, that's cool too. But don't let this affect us, baby. We can get past this. He was so sincere. I was seeing a side of Tyson I never even knew existed. A sensitive side. It almost made me want to keep him, but that was out of the question. No. We can't get past this. I made a mistake, a terrible one, and this is all my fault. I take full responsibility for it. I play with other people's emotions to benefit myself, and I can't do it any longer. I have to burn the bridge with all of you and move on. My place is at home with my husband. Hold up. What do you mean by burn the bridge with all of you? All of who? Shit. I slipped. It, it was just a vigorous speech, I mumbled, trying to play it off. I meant burn the bridge with you. He looked puzzled. Oh, I thought you meant something else. I opted to play dumb. Something like what? Uh, never mind. Let's get back to the matter at hand. He took me by the hand and started playing on my fingers, one by one. I can understand if you need some time to yourself, but I don't want to lose you. Tyson, just, just hear me out, please. Okay, I agreed, even though I knew nothing he could possibly say would make a difference. 
If it's because I've been putting too much pressure on you, I'll back off. We can do this on your terms. I promise. I was about to tell him that the situation was useless when all hell broke loose. I saw it and heard it at the same time. A rock hit my car, shattering the back window. Zoe tried to prevent me from leaving the service bay. Let me handle this, Zoe. Handle it? Fuck that! I pulled loose from him and went out into the sunlight to confront the bitch. She was leaning on my car, smiling like she had just been crowned Miss America. So, you're the tramp that's been fucking my man. Keep coming around him, Trick. I just love fucking up your car. She was a big hoochie mama. Much bigger than me. She had to be at least 5'9 and 185 pounds, but I didn't give a shit. I caught her with a right hook as soon as I covered the ground between us. After that, she and I started scrapping. She pulled a small clump of my hair out and I scratched her jaw on my wedding ring. It went on from there. She ripped one of the buttons off my shirt. I retaliated and kicked her in the pussy. About that time was when Tyson pulled her off me. Dusty, get the fuck off her. He grabbed her from behind and pulled her hands behind her back, holding them there. I wasn't through with the Amazon bitch though and kicked her again in the stomach. Dusty? You look like a dusty ass bitch. Ha, you talking shit now that he's holding her back. But uh, he pulled her off you, if I recall correctly. Fuck you, you trick. By this time, Tyson was becoming unglued. Zoe, get in the car and leave. We'll talk later. I'll come by your office. Tyson, my damn window is broke. This is the second time this bitch has fucked with my car. Damn right, trick. And I will fuck with your car again if you ever come sniffing around my man again. I couldn't believe she was still talking trash. Obviously, Tyson had heard enough of her ass too, because he pushed her down the ground and kicked her. That's when I jumped on him, because hitting a woman, even a bitch whose pussy is so dry the crabs have to carry canteens, isn't acceptable in my book. I pulled Tyson's arm and tried to get him away from her. Tyson, leave her alone. She's a female. She looked up from the concrete with bloodshot eyes. Trick, he don't give a shit about hitting a woman. That's what got his ass locked up before. I looked at him, confused. Locked up? Zoe, do us all a favor. Get in the car and go back to your office. I will come for you. He and I were staring at each other when Dusty took us both off guard by jumping up off the ground with the dexterity of a ninja and yanking Tyson's ear, pulling out the gold cross earring he wore in his one pierced ear. Blood started gushing everywhere, and she hauled ass. I would have too. From the look on his face, he was ready to beat her to a pulp. I wasn't waiting around to see whatever went down next. By the time he turned around again to check on me, all he caught was a glimpse of the exhaust from my muffler. I had accomplished what I went there to do, and that's all that mattered. I just prayed his ass wasn't serious about coming to my office, because I wanted the situation over and done with. The comment Dusty made about him being locked up threw me for a loop. I never thought I needed to run a criminal background check before I took on a lover. I began to wonder if he was a woman beater like Dempsey. The police had yet to track down Dempsey, and they asked the Alabama State Police to keep a lookout for him as well. I would have wished he was dead, but even death was too good for him after what he did to Brina. I wanted him to suffer in the worst way. Driving back downtown, all sorts of confusion was going through my mind like a slideshow. I missed Brina. My head hurt. Tyson was a convicted criminal, and I had no idea what crime he committed. My window was busted out. My blouse was torn. My lip was bleeding, and I had one hell of a migraine. What worried me most was how I was going to explain any of it to Jason. He was all that mattered. Coming up with yet another lie about the car wasn't going to be that effortless. Not to mention the fact that I looked like I had been in the street brawl, which I had. I would just have to come up with something to cover my ass. I always did. The truly messed up part was, the ordeal with Tyson only meant one down. I still had two more to go, and my sanity was slipping fast as I gripped the steering wheel with both hands on my way to my next and final destination. Chapter 23 I got to Quentin's building about 30 minutes later and tried to make myself look presentable before I went up to the loft. I didn't care about the car window or any of that. I put some lipstick on, fingered my hair, and tucked my blouse into my skirt, trying to hide the fact that it was missing a button. Why I was even going through that much trouble was beyond me. It wasn't like I was going on a date. I was going to end a mistake. Two of them. Oh, so the other person diamond. Okay. When I got off the elevator, I hesitated before deciding which way to go first. I knocked on Quentin's door. He answered right away. 
What are you doing here, Zoe? He stood in the doorway, blocking my entrance into his place. Can I come in, Quentin? No. I was wondering why he was being so foul towards me until it hit me that maybe he had already found out something I should have told him months before. You can't come in. Okay, fine. I'll say what I have to say right here and then leave. My legs started trembling, and for a brief second, I thought my knees were going to buckle beneath me. Why are you being so nasty? No reason. He was snapping at me like a box turtle, and things were just not adding up. Quentin, I get back to work, and I have 50 messages from you asking me to get in touch with you. Then I come over here, and you won't even let me in the door. What's up with that? What can I say, Zoe? Things change. That's when I knew something definitely had happened I wasn't privy to. I was about to ask what it was when I heard the door to the stairwell creak. Who's there? Now you're imagining things, Zoe. I looked back at Quentin. I had never seen him leer at me that way. He had a look of hatred in his eyes. I guess you would have reason to be paranoid, huh? Quentin, I'm gonna get straight to the point since you seem to have a rock up your ass anyway. He rolled his eyes. I can't see you anymore. He laughed at me. Just stood there and laughed all in my face. The same man that had begged me to leave my husband and move in with him a thousand times. Oh, so now I'm a fucking Joe Quentin? His voice returned to normal, and his smile disappeared. You've always been a joke, Zoe. I just never realized it until the other day. What other day? What in the hell are you talking about? I was becoming irritated, and my head was still killing me. Guess what, Zoe? He crossed his arms and relaxed on the doorframe like a man about to get some revenge on an arch enemy. What? I got the feeling it was going to be something I really didn't want to know, but I asked anyway. I had a luncheon meeting the other day about a new project I've been commissioned for. Yep, it's a civic center. And? You lost me. And the project is painting a mural for the new civic center currently under construction. He grinned and sucked on his teeth, and I wanted to die. Please, no! Oh yeah, now you're catching on. I always knew you were smart. The same civic center your husband, Jason, is the chief architect for. Quentin, if you said something to him, I swear I'll kill you. Relax. I didn't say anything to Mr. Jason Raynard or Smith Watson or Raynard over on Spring Street. You want to see his business card so you know I'm not fronting about meeting him? No, fuck you. You already did that, Missy. Several times, as I recall. I mean, he could just take a picture of the <laughs> the portrait that he literally painted of her naked in his studio and then the one over his bed. That will pretty much put an end to everything. I was in shock and couldn't utter a word. I just stood there with my mouth hanging open, wishing all of it would go away. Zoe, that man worships the ground you walk on. All this time, you had me believing he was some punk ass who doesn't pay you any attention and doesn't act like you're alive. You're such a lying bitch. The B word brought me out of my trance. I never said that. I never said Jason was like that. All I ever said about him was that he didn't want to do the same thing sexually that I do. Jason loves me. Yeah, you're right. He does love you. Imagine how stupid and shitty I felt sitting there at lunch, listening to him tell everyone about his beautiful, perfect wife. How much he loves you. How the two of you first met and fell in love. How proud he is of you for starting your own business and standing by his side for always. How he built you a house so you could always see the stars. How he, he said all that? I was overwhelmed because I never pictured Jason talking to business associates or anyone else for that matter about me like that. Oh my God, in the midst of all this horribleness and in the midst of me knowing my whole world's about to fall apart because you were talking to my husband and I'm cheating with you, he said nice things about me? The nice guy? The one that I know is a nice guy? But, you know, I said that nothing could be worse than my marriage before, but I didn't really mean it. The nice guy? Yes, he did say all that. Quentin was about to slam the door in my face, but I pressed my hand up against it to hold it open. Just promise me one thing. Give me your word you'll never tell him what happened between us. Please. I was at his mercy, and I damn well knew it. Don't worry, you little lying ass over it, Zoe. I would never tell that man about us for two reasons. First of all, I feel sorry for the poor bastard. And secondly, because, as ridiculous as it is, I still love your scandalous ass. You need help. 
You really do. And not the kind of help you thought you could find in me. You need professional help. I started crying. He was right. Quentin, I tried to get professional help, I admitted. She couldn't help me either. Well, I suggest you try harder. My cries went from sobs to straight up wails. I could tell he wanted to hold me, but his common sense prevented him from doing so. I had hurt him enough. Zoe, I'm not trying to be mean to you. That's the last thing I want to do. But if you're not strong enough to put a stop to this once and for all, then I have to be man enough to do it. I understand. Quentin was reading me like a book. Even though I came over there with the intention of breaking it off with him, more than likely we would have ended up in bed if he had let me in. Just like the many times before I declared I was never coming back, but succumbed to my addiction in the long run. I'm sorry, Quentin. I'm so sorry this had to happen. I know you are, boo. He reached out his thumb to wipe away some of the tears that were streaming down my cheek, and I savored the moment, for I knew it was the last and final intimate gesture between us. It was then I heard another noise coming from the stairwell, but this time, I wasn't alone. Quentin yelled out, Who's there? Tyson came barreling through the exit door with fire in his eyes. You're fucking someone else too, you cheap tramp! Zoe, who in the hell is this idiot? Quentin demanded to know. Tyson, how'd you find me? I was freaking the hell out. Being confronted by both of them at the same time was the last thing on my agenda. You want to know how I found you? It really didn't matter to me. Asking the question was a reflex. He was there and I was in a shitload of trouble, bottom line. I was on my way to your office when I spotted your car and followed you here. My dumb ass was tracking you down to beg you to take me back. Hold the damn phone. Quentin had gotten over his initial shock and rejoined the argument. You're having an affair with his bitch ass too? I screamed at the top of my lungs. It's over. Just then, Diamond, who would have had to have been plumb deaf not to hear all the shouting, opened her door and came out in the hall. What the hell's going on here? Quentin was the first to respond. Zoe's just out here trying to clear up all her loose ends with her lovers. Lovers? Yes, Diamond, lovers, with an S. It seems Miss Zoe's been cheating on me while cheating on her husband. And Lord knows how many other poor bats were caught up in this game. You know what? I was too through then and just wanted to leave. I'm sick of this shit. And all I want is for everyone to leave me the fuck alone. I looked at each one of them individually and then repeated the request. All of you, leave me the fuck alone. That's when Tyson called me a bitch and started strangling me. He was on top of me, his hands clasped around my neck like a vice. His anger was making his lips and cheeks shake. My airway was cut off, I was fading fast, and he would have killed me if Quentin hadn't pried his hands off my neck. Man, you can't hit a woman. They struggled for a few moments while Diamond helped me get off the floor. Quentin got a hold of Tyson long enough for him to calm down and realize he had almost committed homicide. Tyson stormed out towards the exit door and paused long enough to stare at me. You're not fucking worth it. Not even a bitch like you is worth going back to jail for. He kicked the exit door open and disappeared. Diamond asked me, Do you want to go in my apartment so we can talk? I broke away from her hold and screamed, Hell no! She backed off, went back in her place and shut the door while I pressed the call button for the elevator. When it arrived, I was still struggling to regain complete control over my breathing and didn't notice Quentin was still standing behind me until I got on and pulled the gate down. As I pressed the button for the garage, Quentin spoke his final words to me. Zoe, get some help. If not for you or your husband, do it for your kids. He went back into his loft and slammed the door. I went back to my office sick, hurt, and disgusted. At the same time, I was relieved it was all over. Facing off with all three of my lovers in the same hallway at the same time was pure hell. But it was over, and my life could finally get back to normal. So, are you ever going to talk about you and Diamond? Like, I'm sure you are, because we're only 63% of the way done with the book. So, you have to talk about Diamond, and you have to talk about the fallout, and I'm not even really looking forward to it as much as, you know, the part of me who wants Zane to talk about sex between two women. I'm not really up for it, because I'm sure you're going to say some off-wall shit that I don't want to hear. I felt bad because I was in a relationship with a woman or something like that. Like, this is the 90s. I'm already scared.
Uh, we gonna see. 916-633-1537. Wretched and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser. Copy and paste that in the Apple Podcasts. And then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you a ton of content. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to you later. Peace. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name, did you say?